Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is May 5th, Cinco de Mayo of 2022. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. And uh, it's been, Matt, it's been really kind of a a boring, dull, slow week here covering mm-hmm. this, man. Has anything happened at all? No, you know, just some basic games, not really a lot of action that happened during them. Um, same with last week, definitely not like an award-winning week or anything like that. No. Just Yeah, just basic, uh, just basic baseball, right? Yeah, you know, especially the... Especially the game I went to. I went to uh, Sunday's game against the Cubs, <laughs> and the Brewers were shut out two to nothing by Marcus Stroman and the Cubs. Mm-hmm. So I go to one game on the whole homestand. They score nothing. It's it was Corbin Burns Day, which was great, and I was happy to be there for it. But nothing for him. Meanwhile, everyone <laughs> else gets double digit run support pretty much every damn day. Um, and it was a great homestand. I went to the only loss of the homestand. So apparently I am cursed. Uh, (laughs) I think that, I think that's how it goes now. Um, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a fun week. There's been home runs aplenty, 20 home runs, Matt, in Mm -hmm. six games, really in five games, because again, they were shut out on Sunday. So in the span of five games, they hit 20 home runs. That's an average, Matt, of four home runs per game. And that is also the extent of the – actually, that's not the full extent of the math we are doing on this <laughs> podcast. I wish it were, but there will be a little bit more math, unfortunately. But luckily, just basic stuff. But that's four home runs per game, Matt, on average. And everyone's been complaining about this team, complaining about the offense. Oh, I don't think they have enough. Oh, you know, are are they ever going to be able to hit? Well, they hit this week. Yeah, they sure did. Um, Now, obviously, we're fully aware that these last three games in particular happened against the pitiful Cincinnati Reds, who have three whole wins on the entire season. Um, we, we feel bad for you, Reds fans. We really do. I will pop um, one open for yeah. you, Reds fans, I'd, right now. I'd pour one out, but this is carpet. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, not, um, I'm not doing but, that. What, what do you got uh, over there, man? Oh, we, we got PBR. Yeah. Oh. You left to tell me you have, because I can't, still can't see your video. I've got, really? Hmm. Yeah. I've got the Lining Kugel's Summer Shandy. Oh, uh, as it starts it to get... Is, would like uh, temperatures looking a little better? Sun's peeking out the last couple days. It hit forty. Bring summer. out the summer shandy. Damn That's right. what I say. Once Sun's it hits out, forty around here, out. yeah. Even after it drops back down to thirty, because you know it will at some point. We still the summer shandy's out. It's too late. The, this train has taken off. That's right. Get her going. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, speaking of a train taking off. Exactly. <laughs> Off the rails. Um, but after this amazing six game homestand, which was basically like five games of offense, the Brewers now lead the league in home runs. Hey, they lead the league in runs scored. Hey, they are seventh in the league in OPS at 724. Hey, did, did I say seventh in the league? Fifth in the league. Um, hey, even better. Even better. So. Yeah, I, yep, 
small as, sample size, but look exactly what a small sample size just did to the yearly stats for the Brewers. Yeah. Um, and yes, again, you know, to go back to the fact that we're facing the Reds, we're facing the Cubs at the beginning of the homestand, um, who are also not good this year. Yes, we've been playing bad teams and that's bumped our offense up. But you all know as well as we do that randomly during even the Brewers' best seasons, there are some bad teams that they randomly struggle against. And so the Brewers, they still need to win the games. They still need to win the games against the crappy teams. And that is exactly what they did with emphasis over this homestand. And now the offense is starting to look a little bit better. It's starting to look like what David Stearns envisioned when he started putting this team, adding the little pieces to the team, started building it a couple, you know, over the last couple of years when we started uh, picking up players like Adamas and Telez. Um, and now we have Renfro and McCutcheon added to the mix, adding to Yelly. Look at everything starting to gel a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we needed to give these guys a little bit of time. You got new hitting coaches, Ozzie Timmons and Connor Dawson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they weren't able to work with the guys in the offseason. They had a short spring training to try to work with them. And now it seems like we're starting to see the fruits of, of the labor there. I mean, uh, Willie Adamas obviously is getting along with uh, Ozzie Timmons really well. I mean, Ozzie was down in Tampa Bay for a number of years, as was Willie. So they got a great relationship. Um, and everyone's kind of, you know, gelling, they're, they're getting things going. Um, and really what, what seemed like, um, a linchpin to, uh, this breakout is the return of the little brother of the team. I think as Craig council described it, Luis Arias, um, he was down in, in Biloxi on rehab, you know, he had the quad, quad strain to start the year. Uh, they were really missing him over at third base and, and his production. I mean, they had Jace Peterson, uh, covering over there and Mike Brasso and not great results uh, out of that duo. But then Arias comes back and he's hitting like what 400, you know, with a 600 on base percentage or something. And um, he had a leadoff home run today. Uh, so I think the addition of Luis Arias has really kind of helped give these guys a little bit of their mojo. Yeah, I mean, you can't. We we've talked at length on this podcast about how you you just cannot discount chemistry when it comes to really any team but especially this one um and you add a piece like that back in and you have you know now the group that you planned on starting the season with and everyone feels it a little bit um you get those you know important guys in the clubhouse and you know just everyone starts vibing off each other a little bit and then all it takes is you know one guy gets a hit and another guy gets a home run and you know, all of a sudden things start becoming real fun, especially when you install a bell in the dugout. Thank you, Quentin Berry, for that <laughs> uh, idea, because that has provided all kinds of fun content the last couple of days. Um, but this it, they look like a team that is having fun and that always, always seems to lead to results when it comes to the Brewers, when it comes to any team. Um, but particularly these Brewers, it. We know they this team when they're doing well they they also happen to be a team that is fun to watch and all of that is starting to come together now. Yeah, I mean this this is um th- this was really kind of something incredible. Like all of a sudden they started talking about it the other night the the home run bell down mm-hmm. in the corner. I'm like, wait, what? When when did this happen? <laughs> when did this become a thing? Like did they talk about a pregame and I missed it or something? But 
you know, as soon as I'm just like, what is what is up with this? And it's like, let's go to Sophia Minard for a report on what this is. I'm like, oh, great. Right on cue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Quentin Berry just came up with the idea of, of ringing the bell or something whenever you got really good baseball play, you know, an instinctual play. You know, they, they don't want to overdo it. They want to they don't want to do it for everything. They don't want to do it for like singles or whatever else. But, you know, like really good baseball plays. Uh, they want to ring it, and it's looking like it. They're also just going to be doing it with pretty much every home run. Because is there a better baseball play than hitting a home run? I I don't think not, so. Not in my eyes. Nope. Yeah, I I can't think of one. So yeah, it's uh it's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, you know, as they're getting it installed, um, for just ahead of May the fourth, uh, May the fourth be with all of you. Um, just as they're getting it installed, Willie Adamas decides to. Give it a give it a little test out, you know, you know, just test it out, you know, see see if it see if it works, and he breaks it <laughs> on the first try, the first time he tries to ring it, it breaks, and that is that is so, I can't even describe how that is such a Willie Adamas thing to happen. Of mm-hmm. course he'd be the first one to try it, and of course he would be the one to break it, and that was the the video that they put out and showed of him breaking it, and everyone is being like, ah. Come on. <laughs> and then they have to call over like Hunter Renfro and they perform like some surgery. They fix it. And, and then they get it going again. It's like, hey, like it is it is so, so Brewers, man. And really over the past several years in the Craig Council era, by the way, happy seventh anniversary to getting yeah. the job. Craig Council, uh, some mm-hmm. some claps for you there. Um, that's just been that's just been the story of the Brewers teams under council. They, they've just been fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're playing better, obviously it makes things even more fun, but you can see, you could still see it in the players. Like they weren't down on themselves through the first couple weeks of the season when the offense wasn't quite where they wanted it to be. They knew it was there. They knew that, you know, some of it was a little bit of bad luck. Some of it was, it just wasn't happening. Um, But they never, like I said, they never got down on themselves. They never, looked like a team that wasn't having fun. Um, it's just now it's even more so um, because as actually it's funny as we were, uh, as you were talking just now, a little Twitter notification came down from uh, Adam McAlvey who had a quote from one of the players, which was exactly homers are fun. Yes. Yes, they are. They're fun to hit and they're fun to watch. Um, and it's just, it, it's always incredible to see, you know, just how much chemistry and fun and everything these players have. Um, but winning in homers, they certainly help. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it's it's very fun for us fans uh, to watch this happen because we have been desperate for a functioning offense mm. uh, for uh, quite some time. And finally, it seems like we've gotten one. And, you know, I mean, you could say it's like, oh, man, they're beating up on the Reds or beating up on the. Cubs and you know their horrible pitching staff outside of Stroman, obviously. Uh, but keep in mind, I mean, they beat up on Kyle Hendricks, who is no slouch. Mm-hmm. You know, Justin Steele is their number two starter, and they beat up on him. I mean, Steele shut them out uh, in that first yeah. uh, series of the season um, down there in Chicago. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from, but anyways, uh, you know, th- then they're able to to light him up there. And of course, I end up going to Corbin Burns Day where they get shut out. Um, that was frustrating. Uh, anyway, yeah. so 
you know, it, it's not, you know, totally against slouches, but also, a, as we know, hitting is contagious. You know, one guy mm-hmm. starts and another guy goes, another guy goes. Right now, um, these guys, they got a fever. And the only <laughs> prescription is more cowbell. Literally, they got the cowbell in the end of the dugout. I'm sorry. I had to. That was I, fantastic. I had to, Matt. You, you know I had to. I you saw you, you knew where I was going as soon as I started. <laughs> they got a fever. You knew exactly where I was heading. I just want to know, did you did you plan to bring that up today, or was that just now, just off the top of the head? That was that was actually just off the top of my head. Oh, I was originally beautiful. just I was originally just gonna be like, oh, they got a fever, and the only prescription is is more home runs. But I'm like, wait a minute, they got a bell. A, a bell rang in my head, and bing, and there it is. <laughs> Bell jo- it's going to be bell jokes. That's what you guys signed up for. It's bell yeah. jokes all the yeah. long. Look, I, um, I just had to chime in and, and say that. No, of course. <laughs> and I'm glad that you did. I'm very glad. Chime in. Um, now that, so as I'm looking here, now that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Hendricks seems to have been semi-solved by the Brewers and Quintana is no longer there. Is Marcus Stroman now the pitcher that we need to hope that we don't get every Probably. series that we come across? Because yeah. looking back, I, I had a feeling I didn't remember him doing too poorly against the Brewers in that first outing, even though we ultimate. Oh, no, we did end up losing that. Game. No, they lost. I'm sorry. I'm reading it. I'm so used to looking at box scores from the Brewers perspective. Um, he went five innings, only gave up a run in that first outing. The Brewers ended up coming back later in the game and then goes seven scoreless uh last sunday so i think he's the new official annoying cub starter that we get to worry about uh which is you know i I at least he's more likable than some of the other guys they've had there so i guess he was more likable when he wasn't a cub well yeah i will say that everyone's more likable when they're not a cub even ex-brewers and stuff like that are more kyle schwarber seems pretty likable now yeah hey i don't mind the guy yeah, I, I, I mean, no what he said to Angel Hernandez was needed. So that makes him even more likable, actually. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess. Baby golf clap is one finger golf clap uh, <laughs> to Stroman for doing his business against us in two outings. And I hope by some magic of uh, turns through the rotation that we never see him again, even though I know that's not going to happen. Oh yeah, especially if the Cubs know that like he's our our kryptonite on offense, mm-hmm. they'll put him out there. Remember when Quintana started like seven games against us in like yeah. 2018? Yeah, yeah, I very much remember that. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. Um, including game 163, where we won. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, so you know that's just kind of how it's gonna go. But you know, as as I was kind of saying there before, I got sidetracked by the uh, cowbell uh, reference. <laughs> Uh, with, you know, with hitting being contagious, you know, all these guys have really kind of caught it. They're really getting going. Um, and, you know, that can carry into, you know, now now they're coming up against the series against the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, who they played in the playoffs last year. They did not hit well against them, as we all know. Um, and they got a really good pitching staff down there. But these guys are coming in hot now. I mean, going into that NLDS last year, those guys were coming in ice cold. And we were just hoping that they could turn it on in October, and they could not, except for Rowdy Telez, who also is incredibly hot right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now they're coming in hot to this series into Hotlanta, and 
I, I think they got a much better chance of, you know, keeping this rolling. I mean, Willie's got confidence right now. He's super hot. Rowdy's hot. Christian Yelich is heating mm-hmm. up. Uh, Luis Arias is hot. Hunter Renfro is hitting well. McCutcheon got four hits. Like, it's all these guys are really kind of in a groove right now. And, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, you know, they were just beating up on the, on the Reds' horrible pitching staff and the horrible team. I mean, the Reds are 3-22. and 22. I mean, I feel so bad for their fans who deserve so much better. Um, but, you know, that gives you like it's still big league players. You know, those are still guys that, you know, you see that success. It's getting you uh, it's getting you confidence and they're going to take that into Atlanta. And I think it's going to be a very good series for them down there. Yeah, I mean, this is really going to be it's the first true test since that. uh Cardinal series for the Brewers um, and they're set up about as ideally as they could be. Um, you have Eric Lauer starting the first game for the Brewers, Corbin Burns uh, coming in right after him. And then yeah. Aaron Ashby ends up pitching uh, game three. He's back in the rotation for a turn here. So you've got a good set of pitchers going in. You've got a Brewers offense that's completely hot. They're so hot right now. Um going into Atlanta and this hopefully ends up looking completely different than that NLDS did last season. Um, but it's like you said, like it, it'll be really fun. It, even because of the players that the Braves have, like Acuna is now back in the lineup. Um, they've got Ozzy Albies. They've got, uh, they lost Freddie first. They did. This will be our first chance to see Matt Olson in a Braves uniform though. Um, no Jorge Soler. That might be mm. the most important thing in this entire series is he is somewhere else now. Brewers killer Jorge Soler. Um, so we'll take that. That's for sure. Um, but it's set up about as well in the Brewers favor as you could get for a road series against the defending world champions. You have your two hottest starters on the mound for two out of three games and you have a hot offense that's absolutely rolling. So. We'll see. I mean, it's it it things couldn't be looking much better for the Brewers going into a series like this. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about those hot starters. Let's talk about Eric Lauer. You ready yeah. to talk about? Are, we, are you ready to talk some Eric Lauer? I I don't think we have a choice. It's he's giving us given us no choice but to talk about him. I know. And, and coming into the season, I mean, he was you know your number five starter. Um, you know, I believe he still technically is a number five starter. Um, and I mean, it's like, oh, you know, Aaron Ashby's, you know, going to have to find his way up in there at some point. But I mean, Lauer has just really been incredible. I mean, since coming up from the alternate, uh, training site last year, uh, and really, I think since that first start against the Dodgers in May of last year, where he, you know, he did extremely well, uh, he's been fantastic overall. Um, and he's just been getting better and better. I mean, his fastball is, you know, hitting 95 now. You know, he used to be low 90s, you know, type dude, you know, 90, 91, 92. Now he's pumping 95 regularly. He is letting that bitch zoom. <laughs> and he and he is zooming with regularity and he is getting K's on. I mean, he's I think most of his strikeouts have come on that fastball up in the zone. Like it has been mm-hmm. incredible what he's done with that zoom ball. Yeah, he has right now he has a almost 50 percent whiff percentage on that pitch, which is that's absolutely insane. insane for a non-reliever. Um, and yeah, just that, that's like every, Devin Williams airbender exa- level. 
Absolutely it is. Um, and he's averaging, like you said, right around 94 miles an hour last year. It averaged around like 92 and a half. Um, and oddly enough, though, he's not he's actually throwing it slightly less than last year. Um, he threw it uh, about 44 percent of the time last year. He's only throwing it 36 percent this year. He's doing mm-hmm. a lot better job of mixing up. He's almost not throwing his change up at all. Um, so he's gone to essentially fastball zoom ball. <laughs> slider curveball cutter um the fastball being the one he throws the most but he is he, he's pitching he is truly pitching more this year and just mixing up his pitches in the perfect way and that's almost in turn setting up his fastball even better um by you know throwing in those uh off speed not off speed breaking balls um to set it up and so what he's done with it this year is just none of us saw this coming. I mean, it, I think there's some who thought like he might continue his breakout, but to have a 13 strikeout game in Sunday night baseball and then follow it up with yet another double digit strikeout game, he's striking out 36% of the batters he faces that you are lying. If you thought Lauer was going to do that coming into this season, I'm glad he is. But I didn't see this coming. No, no, I, I didn't see it coming either. I mean, I saw him being, you know, good, solid, you know, just kind of, you know, continuing what he was doing last year. You know, maybe have a couple of uh, poor games mixed in there. And, you know, again, you know, it's it's still early. We're still, a mo- mm-hmm. you know, only a month into the season. Um, but, I mean, it's just been incredible so far what, what he's been able to do. And, like you, like, you see the stats, like, coming in, like, dating back to, you know, like, middle of last year. He's like going back and forth with Corbin Burns in terms of like ERA and like strikeouts and like top performances. Like it's insane what he's doing. Like he's been at the level of Corbin Burns essentially, although without any of the of the fanfare. And I mean, typically he hasn't been of that high strikeout variety, uh, which is why he hasn't gotten a lot of it. But he's taken that up another level this year. Uh, And friend of the podcast, Will Salmon, had an excellent article uh, up on The Athletic. Mm -hmm. Uh, a couple of days ago about, you know, really kind of what went into this breakout. And it dates back to that alternate training site when he was doing a bullpen uh, with, uh, you know, Jim Henderson, you know, triple A pitching coach, just kind of watching him. And, you know, at the end of it, you know, it was just kind of, you know, a bunch of his normal stuff. He's like, I'm just going to try some things here. And he just like channels some Tim Lincecum uh, mechanics, like a Rolls Chapman mechanics. And all of a sudden he's pumping 94, 95 and feeling a whole lot better and it's just like, oh, I can do that. Mm. Well, let's. I'm going to do some more of that then. And here we are. I mean, that, that's really kind of, you know, where it's gone for him. And uh, I think the breakout has been incredible. Um, and you know, Chris Hook, you know, the, you know, Chris Hook was talking to him about it. You know, being more athletic out on the mound, and that's what he's trying to do. Um, and just what he's been able to do is something that no one really, you know, as you mentioned, no one really expected. And it's just kind of another point for the Brewers pitching development program um, with, with what they've done with these guys, how they allow them to really just kind of um, try new things and, and really also just kind of be themselves without really being too pushy on like, Hey, we want you to do this. We need to make you change this. They're kind of driving it on their own and they're having their confidence in, in their stuff. And, Eric Lauer has even attested to, it's like, you know, it's not even the stuff improving. It's my confidence in it as well. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, it's funny. Like, I, I was literally thinking of that as you were saying it. It's really interesting how the Brewers do let these guys, you know, I want to try out this pitch. I want to see if I can throw this. Um, and not trying to discourage that and say, no, you have to fit in this certain kind of box. Um, they do let them experiment a little bit and try some things. And then if it looks like there's something there, they find a way to work with them and kind of cultivate it and see if it can turn into something useful. And then they bring them up slowly. It's not just like, oh, so-and-so's learned a curveball. Cool. Throw it 33% of the time. Like they have them work slowly into it and like really start to feel comfortable with it before fully unleashing these new pitches. And it's just, it's great to see the way that they uh, encourage creativity, encourage growth, um, and not just only try and get them to perfect, you know, those pitches or those areas of strength that they start off with. Um, to go back to, um, you know, we talked about or Eric Lauer being the quote unquote fifth starter. You know, last year, Freddie Peralta was the quote unquote fifth starter until it became very evident that he was the number three. And then they ended up kind of like moving some things around. Uh, I think it was right around the all-star break to actually slot him in that third spot. Um, re- with this team outside of Burns being your number one and uh, Woodruff being your number two, it's almost like everyone else. It's just three, a three B three C and kind of three <laughs> D a little bit with uh, uh, Aaron Ashby. Uh, this pitching staff is so good. It is hard to say that's a clear third starter. That's a clear fourth starter. They're all so incredibly interchangeable because they're so incredibly talented and really on top of their game right now. And that is just something we need to remember not to take for granted. Just the the amazing pitching that we're getting to watch day in and day out and that we, by all rights, should be able to continue watching for years because there's more guys in the pipeline that are, you know, as some of our guys, you know, move on, we hate to say it, but some of them will eventually. Um, we've got exciting, talented arms still coming in behind them. And we are incredibly lucky as Brewers fans for that. Yeah, I, I said this on Twitter the other day um, that like years from now, how, however many years, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, how, however many years in the future you want to go. We're going to be telling our kids and grandkids about this Brewers rotation. When, you know, when we talk about the history of a Brewers baseball, we you know we take them to games and, and whatever else. You know, just like our parents, or at least my parents, you know, would be telling me about you know the Brewers in in 1982 and, and all the guys that they had there. And you had uh, you know Pete Bukovic, you had Robin Yount, you had Paul Molitor, you had all these dudes. Um, and they would just, you know, continue to go on and on about how great they were and how great players they were. And we're going to be doing the same about this rotation. This is far and away the best rotation in Brewers franchise history, like straight up point blank period. End of discussion. Also, this has got to be the best rotation in baseball at the moment, you know, I, I think someone else saying it's like, oh, when are we going to low key start discussing, you know, them as one of the best rotations of baseball? It's like it's not just one of it is the mm-hmm. best. Like like this has to be the best rotation in baseball. No one can top this. 
you know, the one that everyone was kind of, you know, going back and forth with was was the Mets, I believe, before the mm. season started. Uh, but Jacob DeGrom isn't pitching. Um, and without DeGrom, it's like, yeah, you got Max Scherzer, but Max Scherzer doesn't make the whole rotation. You know, they got they got some solid guys, and they're playing well to start the year, but the Brewers' rotation is far and away better than anything anyone else has in Major League Baseball right now. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, Brewers and the Mets actually are they're right next to each other in pitchers war for the season. The Dodgers are also up there too. That was another one um, that a lot of people would throw out there. And the Blue Jays can't say I I expected that, but uh, good for them. They're good Good so far, but I still don't think they're the best rotation in baseball. No, absolutely not. Um, Brewers flattening everyone in caper nine um got an era of three that is a little bit uh higher than the mets um so i guess i'll give them that um although uh when you look at it by uh fip um those three teams mets brewers dodgers are all right there kind of in the same area so um it's you can make arguments for all three of these teams but i mean we see the brewers every day day in and day out and I would actually be curious to see had the Brewers rotation through that first run through the rotation that we all know was rough. Every single one of them, you know, Corbin Burns was was like average for Corbin Burns. Everyone else had a rough first turn through. If they had even just decent outings that first time through, these numbers are, I'm sure, incredibly skewed in the Brewers favor. As this starts to progress through the entire season, the Brewers starters, all these numbers, they're going to overtake everyone in the entire league. I mean, it's I would make the I feel like we could make very, very sound arguments about the Brewers being the best starting rotation unit in all of MLB. And no, it's not low key. It It, it is very high key. If that's yes. the thing. Um, Brewers rotation, best in the league. Done. Absolutely. Period. Rubber stamp. Moving on. Rowdy Telez. Um, yeah. Segue. Very natural. Uh, Rowdy Telez. Uh, he had a hell of a homestand. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 for 23. Four doubles. Four homers, including a grand slam. He almost had a second grand slam in the same game. Came up <laughs> like a did. foot short. Um, Rowdy Telez raised his batting average 64 points in the span of one homestand he's now hitting 275 on the season uh he raised his on-base percentage i think 63 points and his slugging percentage i think uh, about 200 or so uh so yeah you know not bad not a bad homestand at all for rowdy telez and uh he he's in a groove and i wrote this the other day on on reviewing the brew it's time to just declare him the everyday starter at, at first base. You know, there's kind of been a semi semi platoon over there. He's gotten the lion's share of the, of the platoon at first base just because he's a lefty. He'll face the right-handed starters, and they're just a lot more right-handed starters than than left-handed starters in the league. But it's time, like he's got to play out there every every single day, man. First base or DH or whatever. Uh, you know, he he needs to be out there. All the time. Uh, he's hitting incredibly well. He gives the Brewers the best chance to win. They got to do it, man. And and his splits, like, you know, you, you can you look at platoons based on splits. 
his splits are pretty even, man. Mm-hmm. You know, his his OPS splits, you know, th- this is all in, in the article up on Reviewing the Brew. But, like, his his OPS is, like, within, like, five points of each other um, or, or so. And, you know, for his career, you know, his OPS lefty versus righty are within, like, ten points of each other. Mm-hmm. Like, it is pretty much even across the board. For Tellez, sure, you know, he hits for power more consistently against righties than lefties, but really, he's someone, regardless of who's out there on the mound, should be playing every single day. Like, this has all the makings of a breakout season for Rowdy Tellez. Yeah, 100%, 100% agree, cosign, approve, whatever you got to say. Um, rubber stamp. It's, rubber Boom. stamp it. Boom. Um, especially when you've got the team now rolling offensively don't sit him <laughs> do not sit rowdy telez like i i was i was totally fine with them platooning early because you wanted to see if keston hero could continue his strong spring if he could show that a lot of the things he worked on in the offseason that his new batting stance was going to work um and he's he's done okay he's had his moments he had a home run today which was awesome Ooh. um and he will still get opportunities here and there we have universal DH now. Hallelujah. He'll get some <laughs> chances here and there. Um, he'll get chances to fill in and second base now and again. Um, if Wong has to sit um, and there will be injuries that happen too. So he will get his spots. Um, but when it comes to first base, yeah, it's time. Keep that hot bat in the lineup and let it flourish. We This could be the official Rowdy Telez breakout. I mean, we could be seeing this right now, and he ends up, you know, if he keeps doing this, maybe there's another extension candidate right there. Ooh. Uh, I, I know my, I, I mean, it's, I don't think that's that far-fetched at this point if he were to keep going. First base has been something they've been trying to lock down for years, ever since we've talked about this, written about it, yeah. that ever since Prince Fielder, they have just not quite, they've had some guys fill in well, some guys fill in not so well. Um, but they haven't been able to lock it in. And to have a power-hitting first baseman who's not that shabby defensively for a guy his size, that is so valuable. And so he's got to be a prime extension candidate. I still, my my preference is Willie Adamas, and I still think he gets looked at very heavily as well. Um, but, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to think that Telez is a candidate for that too. No, it's it's not crazy, and I mean it's it's something that you know as as the season goes on, and, and you know perhaps at the end of the season after they get a full look at him with it with a full year in Milwaukee, that could be something that that they address and look at. Um, you know, Adamus as well. Um, you know, he's certainly a candidate. Plus, you got the rotation guys with with Burns and Woodruff uh, that they're going to have to try to lock up, and you know you got a lot of really good players. They're not going to sign them all, um, but Rowdy just seems to fit in with this team so well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like like the fun atmosphere, like we were talking about. Uh, Rowdy brings that. You know, Rowdy's the the big giant teddy bear, uh, fun member of the group. And you know, him and Adamus just have this, you know, back and forth. Like it's it's crazy. Do, do you you saw the video of uh, <laughs> Adamus giving Telez a kiss on the head yep, after one did. of his home runs? I made that a gif, and I just keep on putting it up there every time Rowdy does something. It's beautiful. Um, Absolutely beautiful. 
he when he hit that grand slam i don't know how many people like look that closely at it but he hits it he looks up at it for a little he knows it's gone but he looks oh, yeah. up at it for a little bit he turns to the dugout smiles and then just nods his head a little bit and then goes and does his home run trot it was just it was such a like fun little gesture and you know that he is just loved for stuff like that i mean everyone on the team they do little things like that they're going to be but he you're right just so prototypically milwaukee we've said it ever since he came in he just looks like a wisconsinite like someone you'd he looks like a a beer he looks like a milwaukee brewer's first baseman i mean big uh, tall he he looks like he'd crush some beers you know crush some beer league home runs and softball mm-hmm. um all that stuff he fits in perfectly with with the city the crowd everything like and we thought the same thing with Vogelback and we mm-hmm. thought the same thing with Jesus Aguilar and Eric Thames and all these other Brewers first basemen that we've had and perhaps Rowdy is is the guy that can actually do it for a couple of years in a row. I, I think mm-hmm. that there hasn't been anyone to start opening day at first base two years in a row since Fielder, I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I I think so. Um, but all those, you know, a lot of those guys get named. They they were good for like a year, year and a half tops. Yeah. Like they were, none of them were able to sustain it. Aguilar wasn't. That's why he ended up. You know, the Brewers ended up moving on from him same with James. Yeah. well he had a bad uh, first kind of half just there out. and yeah yeah, yeah um, i still think they should have kept on to aguilar but that's that's a discussion I mean, for another time i do too i he he will always always be one of my favorite brewers ever i love that his twitter handle which he doesn't use often but he does use is still j aguilar mke yeah <laughs> that he hasn't changed that yet that's fun um but and then you know vogelbach vogelbach last year you know, we end up thinking when we get him and he has that strong second half of the season, like, oh, we might have found our future first baseman. And then last year, he kind of just doesn't quite end up doing the same thing. So, you know, Rowdy's been here for two thirds of a full season combined, roughly. Yeah. Um, so we need to give it a little bit of time, but it's sure looking like I, so there's just a feeling about him that like he could be the guy. Like, more so than I've had for maybe outside of Aguilar, more so than I've had for a lot of the other first base guys that we've had dating all the way back to Fielder. Yeah, there, there's just a, a great quality there. I think it, it might be the bald head. That, that certainly helps. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, he's just a, he's a fun dude, and he's fun to watch, especially when he hits stingers. And, like, those were massive bombs. Like, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't just, like, some wall scrapers. Um, that grand slam was a doozy, uh, yeah. 453 feet, I believe off the scoreboard. Um, just, just incredible. Yeah. Four home runs on the homestand lit up the Cincinnati Reds who I, man, I feel so bad for them. I, know. I mean, Tommy Pham hit well, Mike mm-hmm. Moustakis old friend hit well. Um, they really could have used a guy like Jesse Winker. Or Eugenio <laughs> Suarez in that lineup, but mm-hmm. oh well. Yeah. Now then, of course, now um, Colin Moran ends up uh, t- continuing his torture of 
Adrian Hauser. Someone's just someone from the Reds just has to torture Adrian Hauser, it turns out. So Winker leaves. Yeah. They take his nemesis from the Pirates and put him on the Reds. And they continue to have one guy that will just give him fits at night. Did did super solid outside of that for the most part. Um, but yeah, that, that was just funny to be like, oh, of course, like Moran's been not good this year and really wasn't that great last year. He was OK, um, but but Adrian boy, Hauser Adrian, turns into Babe Ruth. Yep, exactly. But no, they and even though he hasn't been that good this season yet, Joey Votto, another guy they could have used, but now he's on the IL. I think he was COVID IL, correct? Yep, COVID IL. They've yeah. got kind of a a bit of that running through the team currently because Senzel ended up not being able to play the last couple games, and then one and other Naquin. guy too, Naquin, Naquin. That's right. Um, so that doesn't help. You know, those are some of your top guys, and um, certainly doesn't. Uh, did you hold see well what? Did you see what Joey Votto tweeted earlier? So, so so now he's doing like a whole lot more social media, uh, whatnot, Mm -hmm. but so one, uh, Reds fan tweeted at Votto with uh, pictures of her dog, whose name is Votto, uh, says Votto hopes you feel better at Joey Votto with just a couple pictures of very adorable dog, uh, Mm -hmm. looking at him. And Joey Votto replies, he says, please tell Votto I say rough, rough, bow, wow, arf, rough, rough. He knows. <laughs> He's a fun uh, guy. He is. He really is. Like He makes he, some weird TikToks, but outside of that. He, he's definitely a quirky guy. That, yes. that, that's a good way of, of putting it. But uh, he, I feel like he's like Brent Suter. Yeah. You know, just kind of a weird, quirky guy that that's really funny that everyone just adores around the team and the fans just love. Well, he's he's Canadian, so you know, he's uh, yes. be a little goofy. That, yeah, that that's kind of a requirement. I had a, a manager at work uh, for several years before he ended up retiring, uh, who was Canadian, and I feel like he was quirky in the same ways that Joey Votto is. So it's just a thing. Freaking Canadians! I tell you. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> they get their Tim Hortons and they think they're just all so fancy. Yeah, that's right. Your Tim Hortons and your damn universal health care. What's yeah. going on up there? Yeah, we apologize if there are any Canadian listeners to this podcast, <laughs> by the way. We did not mean to offend. I am uh, from very sorry. northern Wisconsin. Sorry. Which is- that, that's practically Canada. It's right. It's not that far from the boundary waters. So I, yeah. I'm I'm almost Canadian as it is, and I feel like it. You can it comes out in the voice anyway. So yeah. All uh, right. We we love our Canadian listeners if you exist. Right. All right. Now let's get back to we were talking about. Okay. Uh, yeah. So in that first game against the Reds, um, it was a safe situation. And Devin mm. Williams came in instead of Josh Hader. And there was, you know, much concern. There mm. was consternation. Big word mm. on the Cold Brew podcast here. Um, it's like, where is Josh Hader? This is this a safe situation? Why isn't he pitching? He hasn't pitched in a week. And it turns out he has some mild mid-back spasms um, mm. that he was dealing with. And, you know, it was like, yeah, it was just kind of day to day. Like, he's fine. You know, nothing too big to be concerned about. Should be good to go in the next day or two. And coming into Thursday here, he said, I'm good to go. I'll be available. And he was warming up uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, eighth inning, getting ready for the ninth. 
Uh, you know, Brewers had a three-run lead they were protecting. And then Willie Adamas just decides to go yard again <laughs> for the second time that day and made it a five-run lead. And immediately after, Josh Hader just starts walking back to the bench in the bullpen. It's like, nope, I'm sitting down. All right, guys. Hobie, good luck. Have fun, fi- have fun finishing this one. And he did. Yes. Um, yeah, well done, Hobie. Good, solid job. He's actually uh, done pretty well this season. I will give him credit for that. Um, But I'm almost glad it worked out that way. Um, You know, we would have rather seen Hater pitch and, you know, just put our fears aside a little bit. But, like, it's almost nice that he, you know, after such a long layoff, gets to kind of warm up a little bit and uh, doesn't end up playing, but also doesn't end up having to stress himself out stress himself out physically um when i'm sure he was ready to go and he was you know cleared and everything like that but um you know what another day maybe doesn't hurt either so um and save okay. him for the braves those, those are going to be much yes. tougher uh, opponents rather than like you know say it's a safe situation uh on friday against the braves would you rather have him coming off a back-to-back um, trying to make that, or would you rather it be, you know, coming off the the well rested uh, portion here? So, I, I think it all works out. Even though the Reds would essentially be like a minor league rehab assignment because they're bad. Yeah, this is very true. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so he's he's gonna be fine. Uh, Devin Williams did fine in his absence, and uh, he's looking good as well. Um, there was some big news also non on the field, well, sort of on the field related. Um, but the Brewers City Connect uh, mm. jerseys and uniforms, you know, that, that those are supposed to be coming out next month, coming out in June uh, for, for that weekend series, I believe against the Cardinals. And there was a potential leak of yeah. these uh, uniforms um, at, I believe, a Lids uh, shop. They're selling these hats. Mm. You know, they had the City Connect stickers, you know, on the, on the sales uh, sticker it said Brewers City Connect um, and, you know, had the logo, the design and uh, all these things. So I think we got to I think we got to talk about this. So the logo seemed to mash up the letters MKE with 414, the area code for Milwaukee. Um so it seemed like kind of a, a jumbled uh, mess a little bit, uh, you know, mixing MKE and 414 into the same thing. Um, but it didn't look too bad. Underneath the brim, it said Brew Crew and this kind of, you know, old style script lettering. Um, and there's been, you know, some mixed opinions about the hat. But I think the thing that was big for me that I really loved is that it's powder blue. Mm-hmm. It looks like they might be bringing the powder blues to the City Connect uniforms, and if that's the case, I am 100% on board. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe this is just like a themed hat to kind of go along with the City Connect, but isn't actually the one they're going to wear. I don't know. But if that is, in fact, the case, that is all I've been hoping for is I've seen some like concept designs of essentially taking um, the Navy uniforms or no, I'm sorry. It's actually the cream uniforms and just making them powder blue. 
Um, I don't know that it'll be that simple, but like those themselves look super sharp. So if it's something even remotely close to that, um, yes, sign me up. I will get one. Like I will be running. I can sprint to the stadium in about 20 minutes, I think, from where I live. <laughs> and I will be there that fast uh, to buy one because the, oh, we just powder blue is so good. Everyone wants it. More teams need to do it as retro, you know, whatever alternate uniforms. Just it would be such an obvious win. And, you know, they know that. So if that's what's coming. Yes. Good job. And it it kind of does, you know, a a good job as well of there's the Milwaukee flag um, and you've got like a, a light blue color in that. So you, you could kind of say that it's a it's a call out to the city of Milwaukee in that way. Um, but I really hope you're right, because oh, that's just people will go nuts for that. Yeah, and I think with the like the script uh, lettering on the other side, on the underside of the brim, mm-hmm. um, that that says Brew Crew, I could see that being what's across the chest of the jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, powder blue jersey. It says Brew Crew across the front. Like, yeah, I think you'd sell a lot of those. I'd want to buy one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll buy. You know, the, the MKE. Yeah, I mean the MKE four one four. Uh, type logo. I mean, that's something that, you know, it's like, eh, you know, kind of a, you know, I, I get, I get the sentiment and the thought behind it. Um, but like mixing that together, like that's, those aren't easy letters and numbers to mix together um, in, right. into the same logo. Like it really seemed kind of like a jumbled mess. Yeah. Um, but overall, like if it's powder blue and it says brew crew across the front and that lettering, I'm more than happy with, with what it is. I don't need the hat. I, I'll get the jersey or something. Right. Um, but I think that would be a fantastic look. And, and keep in mind also, these hats um, that, that, were, that were in the pictures were made by 47 brand and not New Era, which is MLB's official uh, cap partner. And typically, right. ugly cap designs come from New Era. They've been <laughs> atrocious the last Jesus. number of years. Yeah. So as bad as this one is, you know, as you may think it is, and I don't think it's too bad, but it's still, you know, kind of messy. Mm-hmm. But as bad as this is, it may be better than whatever new era could come up with. Yeah. Because they have been notoriously bad at hat designs for the past, like, couple of years now. I don't know what it is. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with their design team or whatever, but they just put out some of the weirdest hats. They do. Luckily, though, it's it's more when they try and do like a a theme for every team in the league. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever hat comes with the City Connect is going to be something that, you know, the team and MLB and New Era all collaborated on, not just something that New Era can just run with themselves and totally screw up. So that at least gives me confidence that whatever City Connect hat goes with the City Connect jersey should be tolerable and not something like this or the like one of the wasn't one of the lines recently just like literally the logo upside down or something stupid like they do just dumb stuff like that oh no one was like they were all like fruits like each one was a different fruit or something for like oh god uh, people they're they literally their design team is high all the time (laughs) they have to be that's the only explanation 
Yeah, like it is. It has been bad. Like they're just like random patches and just like random spots all over the hat. It's like what? Mm-hmm. Like what are we doing? But um, yeah. But it, oh yes, powder blues. Bring just do it. Yeah. Just, let's hear it because yeah, po- powder blue oh. top, powder blue pants, and I think you'll nail it. Mm-hmm. Like like just straightforward. Just make it powder blue, and I think you'll be fine. I, I think people will be happy with that look. I, I think it'd be. Um, one of the best looks that they'd have. They'd have. I know a lot of people have been, mm-hmm. you know, when they came out with the new jerseys, everyone was looking for powder blue. Uh, instead, we got the navy one, which I also think is really nice. Yeah. But you know, everyone was asking for it then, and we didn't get it. But City Connect would be the perfect place to use those powder blues. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There will be a line to the interstate outside the pro shop if they just do powder blues. Make it happen, guys. Yes. Just whenever, like, just tell us when it's coming out. Because, you know, this is just a leak. We still got a couple more weeks to to wait uh, until they officially uh, release it and you can buy them in the team store. But it's, uh, I like it. I know a lot of people don't like the hat, but, yeah. That's right. Keep it, it powder blue. Bad. We're good. Yep. Oh, man. This has been a... What, I feel like we're I feel like we're missing something in talking about this past week. Um, I mean we had we did have Adamus win Player of the Week and uh, Hater win uh, Reliever of the Month. That was the thing. Um, we had three consecutive games of double digit strikeouts. Correct. I don't think we talked about that one yet. Not really. No, we got. I think we Lauer. got too sidetracked on Lauer. Yeah. 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 Cause I was going to talk about it. Then it's like, oh yeah, it started with Lauer. Then we just got sidetracked on Lauer. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So the first time in franchise history, the Brewers have had three straight starters with double digit strikeouts in their starts, Eric Lauer, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. And they were going for four, but Freddie Peralta just ran into a, a little too much trouble um, in, in his start. But mm-hmm. Man, this, uh, as we were saying before, this rotation is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see us, uh, see if we can get back on one of those double-digit strikeout streaks and see if we can run it to four, run it to maybe five. It'd be hard because Hauser just is not a strikeout pitcher. Like, he does not pile them up. He's a get them to be a ground ball guy, yeah. Right. Um, get the guys out that way type pitcher. So it would be hard to go farther than four unless maybe you had an Aaron Ashby turn in the rotation and he happened to be like just absolutely lights out for that game. So, yeah, hard to go past that much. But you know what? Like that the fact that we're even talking about that as a possibility just goes to everything we've said before. Like this rotation is absolutely incredible. And you see what happens when you get a Brewers offense that is performing at its highest potential and match them up with that pitching staff. It's just good luck. Good luck, everyone else, because there's barely anyone who's going to beat that combination. Yeah, and even when, you know, these Brewers starters do have uh, some of their off nights, like Peralta kind of had an off night, Adrian Hauser had an off day. Um then the offense just puts up d- double-digit runs to yeah. cover for him, 
But then meanwhile, Corbin Burns has a typical Corbin Burns start and you can't get him a damn thing. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I almost feel like I cursed him, you know, just it's just like, like, how come when I show up to Corbin Burns start, he gets nothing like do it. Like, do I got to stay away? Like, I hope I don't have to stay away because I like to go to games, but I'm, I, you've seen plenty of Corbin Burns wins. I think you were due. For a loss one of these days, so it, I, I think it'll be fine for the Corbin Burns is never forward. due for a loss. He is a Cy Young. He will win every yeah. single game. Well, that he is should. obviously not true. If he <laughs> got just untrue. three runs of support per game, he'd win everything. Yeah, basically. Basically, but, like like just give him some damn run support. It I like mean, he's. He's got the Brandon Woodruff curse from 2021, basically. Um, Brandon Woodruff, by the way, just he's had some tough luck, especially in that last outing. Just the the way that kind of ended for him, um, yeah. and then the runs being given up by who came in for that one? It wasn't Gustave. Um, maybe it was Gustave. No, Ashby. Was it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, so. I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but even the ones like they were like. I think one maybe went off of like Adamus's glove and the other one, it just shouldn't have ended up the way that it did. Um, yeah. I, I can't exactly remember how it, how it went down. Um, Cause a lot of stuff has happened and really even in just the couple days since then. Um, oh yeah. But oh, yeah, and speaking be- of the, uh, the Corbin Burns uh, game that I was at, mm-hmm. um, this happened on, on Twitter. So I show up, I've got a specialty, oh, yeah. Cy Young jersey um, with Corbin Burns number 39. It says Cy Young across the back um, because I got that in celebration of his Cy Young victory um, and the subsequent victory lap uh, that I took because I declared it three years ago. Uh, never going to let that die. Ne- never going to let anyone forget it. Uh, anyways, so I'm wearing this jersey to the game because it's Corbin Burns Day and obviously I'm going to wear this jersey. And Kurt Hogg, old friend of or Kurt Hogue, excuse me, Kurt Hogue, old friend of Reviewing the Brew, actually, former writer at Reviewing the Brew way back in the day. Um, Before either of us were ever there, this was back in, like, (laughs) this was, like, 2013, like, back when he was uh, writing writing at Reviewing the Brew. Yeah, way back when. Um, He's now the Brewers beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, taking over for the retired Tom Hodricourt. And he posted a picture in that first inning uh, and I didn't know this was happening, you know, but I, my seats are right in front of the press box, right in front of uh, Kurt Hogue and Adam McAlvey, front of the podcast and Andrew Wagner and uh, all these guys in the, in the press box. I'm sitting there right in front of him and he got this jersey and he snaps picture and says, you know, the what was it like, you know, pitching matchup for tonight as described by a jersey. And, you know, just <laughs> you just see my jersey saying Cy Young 39 on the back, just me sitting there. I'm like, oh, oh, my God, that's that's it's me. <laughs> yeah. Like, would you look at that? So I just kind of stand up, look at him, you know, just give him a little thumbs up. Like, hey. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it's just like that is uh, that is my go to jersey for for Corbin Burns starts. And apparently the luck hasn't gotten into it yet. Yeah. That's all right. It Corbin Burns is too good for it not to work out. And it wasn't anything that he did wrong. No, he was, was fine. Yeah. He just, just had no offense. offense. So as we've seen, the Brewers certainly can put up numbers. So just got to do it uh, when he's on the mound now. It'll be fine. Yeah, that'd be It'll nice. Be good. 
sure Corbin would appreciate it. Right, I like, imagine. Yeah. Like, he sees everyone else getting, like, you know, 9, 11, 18, 10 runs of support all around him. Like, like <laughs> the two games before him, 11 and 9 runs of support. Two games after him, 18 and 10. And he's just <laughs> sitting there like, what do I got to do, man? 18. My God. That was insane. They just kept on piling on, and what's-his-name for the Reds just couldn't find the zone. They had to throw in a position player there at the end. It's just like, dude, like it shouldn't be that hard to get through an inning here. Like you, You've walked four guys. We have to put, we have to bring in our right fielder to relieve you. You suck that bad. Uh, I feel bad for, uh, for Drew, the site expert mm-hmm. at Blog Red Machine uh, at Fansided. Um, He's going to have to watch that team, and it's going to be terrible. He's making the most of it with his site, um, and Mm -hmm. he's certainly got a lot of content to talk about and a lot of angry fans, but, man, that is going to be brutal to watch all season long. 3-22. and Do you remember when the Brewers were 1-3 and and everyone lost their (laughs) shit? (laughs) Yes. Everyone on Brewers Twitter lost their mind when we were 1-3. and Could you imagine if this team went 3-22? and My God. It, there would be protests outside of American Family Field. Yeah. They yeah, would be would, calling for Mark Antanasio's head. We'd be one of those teams where the fans are wearing the paper bags over their heads. Like Reds fans Brewers are. Fans, I, you're right. I did see a picture of one at the uh, Brewers game, I think, yesterday. Yeah. It, yeah. And they have every right to. They're, they're not good. And they it was pretty obvious that it was going to happen when they traded away almost all of their good players before the season started. Um, and then their owner or not owner, uh, chief operating officer, COO said, yeah, but he's like the son of the owner. Oh, okay. Well, he's like partial owner. Yeah. Says what he says. And like, where are you going to go? Yeah. Oh, what a, what a douche. But yeah. the writing was just, on the wall that they were going to have a season like this. And it's just so sad considering that they were in a competitive window and then they just shut it immediately. Yeah. And look, I like Reds fans. I think they're probably my yeah. favorite other fan base in the uh, NL Central. Um, you know, they're really knowledge- knowledgeable, smart, intelligent fans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're respectful, you know, re- really nice, really good people. They deserve a whole lot better. Um, and... For everyone that com- that likes to complain about the Mark Atanasio ownership group and how you know they spend on the team and, and their attitude towards spending, just think, you could be a Reds fan. Yeah. It could be a whole hell of a lot worse in Milwaukee if they had an ownership group like that that just simply did not care. Like you can complain about Mark Atanasio's lack of money all you want. He cares, and he loves to win. Like, you cannot take that away from him. Yeah. No, 100%. Uh, they they do within their means, and say what you will about their means. I know we're not getting into that. They do what they need to do to put a competitive team on the field. They are. They've been yeah. obviously very competitive for the last uh, really since 2017, with the exception of 2020. And we just throw that out because that was just a weird, that was a weird anomaly time. year. Exactly. It's hard to take anything from that season. Um, also, they tried different things with the roster. It didn't work out. They admitted it. They moved on. Whatever. Every other season since 2017, always been competitive. So, you know, 
this is what we get in Milwaukee. We get playoff appearances. We get competitive teams. We get a quality product on the field that gives us reason to show up to games and watch because we know there's a good chance we're going to get to see a win while we're there. It could be so much worse. And we just saw firsthand what it looks like when it is worse. And it is ugly. Oh, yeah. Absolutely ugly. And for everyone's just like, oh, well, you know, it's like, yeah, being competitive is nice, but, you know, we want someone who spends to to make it a World Series team, you know, not just competitive. We got to aim higher than this. It's like for for the market size that the Brewers are in and really what they're able to pull, um, you can't they, they don't have enough money that, that you can spend to guarantee that, you know, they don't have Dodgers level like the Dodgers have FU money. Like yeah. that's how much money they have. Like they can afford to spend to build a roster that is like World Series caliber on paper. Everyone knows it off the bat. The Brewers don't have the ability to do that. You know, even if Mark did spend a few million dollars more or whatever it is, they don't have the ability to construct that kind of a roster that just makes everyone go, this is an automatic World Series lock. That a lot of people are looking for. It's it's not possible. It's not going to be able to happen. So it's you build a playoff roster, and that's what they have done. They have been able to build a playoff caliber roster, and really, as we've seen throughout history in baseball, it is a matter of who is hot entering October, and the hot team wins. Last year, Atlanta was hot coming in. The mm-hmm. Brewers were cold. So the Brewers get bounced by Atlanta. Atlanta wins World Series. The Nationals in 2019, they were hot mm-hmm. coming in. And, I mean, the Brewers could have won that game, and, and they were playing pretty well, but it just went it just went the other way. Uh, 2018, they were right there. A few things, you know, bouncing a different way, a few balls either going a few feet shorter, a few feet farther. <coughs> Chris Taylor. Uh, <laughs> yep. And And everything changes. And and then you could have been in the World Series that year. So, you know, in, in terms of spending um, and, and building a World Series caliber roster, I, I think the Brewers have done that as best as they can. Um, they can't build a roster like the Dodgers do. They don't have that level of, of FU money. No matter how much Mark Atanasio can put in, they, they just simply don't have it. The Dodgers make $200 million a year in just local TV revenue. The Brewers aren't going to be able to pull that in Milwaukee. So, no, but hey, who knows? Maybe this uh, every twenty dollars that Sinclair makes off of their new streaming deal (laughs) per month, the Brewers will get a chunk of that and be able to afford Carlos Correa or something. I don't don't know. Yeah. And some sort of joke about the new Sinclair deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nineteen ninety nine a month um, for streaming it. And I'm like, that is. That is a minimum $10 too high. Yep, and I'll probably still pay it. <laughs> Let's be honest, I will. I don't have cable, and, you know, I have... I've already just streaming. got cable, so I just deal with it. Yeah, I'll... They, they, I'm sure they'll get my money, so whatever. But I might wait till the app stops sucking, which maybe that'll be never, so maybe maybe Perhaps. I won't get it. But you know what? It, it's it's borderline. Like, I, I, you can't go any higher than 20 bucks a month but 20 bucks yeah it really does feel high i mean yeah. it, like sling tv back when i had that 
was 20 bucks a month and you got like tons of channels so to get basically a channel um yeah that, that is a lot that i'll probably still pay yeah it is uh it's a tough time all right well i think that's about uh time we wrap up uh this podcast running a little long here but there's a lot to talk about and this was a yeah. very fun-filled week of brewers baseball and things are looking up uh, across the board here so uh you go five and one on the homestand you take two or three from the cubs you sweep the cincinnati reds you're in first place solidly here as we hit cinco de mayo and <laughs> everything is looking good offense is going to go into atlanta and hopefully they keep up this hot stretch and keep on ringing the bell uh although willie adamas may break it that's just going to happen <laughs> from time to time they need a stronger bell um but it's uh yeah. it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think they found their thing, you know, that the tiger claws have kind of have kind of moved away. Now they got this like, you know, something something with the nose. Um and now yeah. now they got the bell as kind bell. of a home run celebration. Yeah. Way no better. longer the gauntlet. The gauntlet is gone, but now we have the bell. I love so it. They have found their thing. And that's what we're going with for the season. Some teams have hats. Some teams have jackets or whatever. We got a bell. And it's going to be fun. Ring that bell. Ring that bell. All right. That'll do it for this. I need to get a bell. All right. Uh, Now we got to make that thing. I got to have a bell at home here. um, I I have a cowbell here. Maybe not. There we go. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. Uh, be sure to tune back in next week for another episode. Uh, be sure to check out Reviewing the Brew uh, for all of our latest content. Um, check us out on Twitter. I am at dgasper24. Matt is at mkematt13. And be sure to follow the podcast account on Twitter at coldbrew underscore pod. Uh, that'll do it for us. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.